Now, was it me or was that really, really fast, that intro? I don't, I don't know about it. Felt, it felt, like it felt really quick, but it is what it is. Hello and welcome to a match, the match report presented by Free and Midfield. Uh, we are your hosts, Kehu and Kojo. Usually Darren joins us, but he is not here today taking care of those babies. It is what it is, man. That's what he's got, he's got, he's got, that's what he's got to do. But we are joined by some excellent guests. The honorary member of Free and Midfield joins us again, Basil Jacobs. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. I am doing good. It's, it's good to be back. You know, um, certain teams are on a downward spiral, while certain teams seem to be up in the trajectory. So, upward trajectory. So, it seems like our fortunes are changing. Um, every week, every time I appear on a pod, I seem to just be happier and happier compared to the start of the season. So, that's a good thing. Oh, you can't. You can only hope for. You can only hope for that, in it. So I'm, 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 I'm there with you. I'm not quite. I'm surprised you're as optimistic as that, considering who you support. But it is what it is. <laughs> D joins us for the first time. How you doing, sir? I'm good, mate. Yeah, good, mate. Speaking about trajectories, ours is not headed in a too too disappointing uh, direction at the moment. So I'm sure we'll get to that. But but really good to be on, guys. So thanks for inviting me. I do appreciate it. Thank you for joining. Uh, if you are listening, make sure you smash the like button and hit subscribe to the channel. But what we'll get, we've got all that passed. So let's get to the results. And we'll start with Liverpool are first on the, on the list. So let's start with Liverpool. 5-0. Uh, they beat Watford. Uh, five goals to nil. Goals from Mohamed Salah, uh, who Sadio Mane and Roberto Firmino. Surprising everybody with a hat-trick. Is he, did he surprise you mostly? That was it was a great performance. It was wonderful goals from him as well. I think I think to be fair, you, you've got to put that into context. You know, we were expecting to go down there and Watford to be buzzing, new manager bounce, trying mm. to prove to the manager that they've got futures at that football club. And the reality is a culmination of two things. They didn't do that. Perhaps the time that Ranieri joined the club to the time of the game was too short. He wasn't able to implement too much because it kind of looked lost a little bit during the game in terms of tactics. Um, but also the fact that when Liverpool are good, Liverpool don't allow you to do what you want to do. The press is, is pretty intense. Um, and we, we, we do bully teams with our, with our style. We certainly bullied Watford at the weekend. And obviously, um, Bobby Firmino gets a hat-trick from a collective total of about four and a half yards. But that's what, what you number nine to do, isn't it? Be in the right place at the right time. So um, great for him. Great confidence booster for him. He's been looking for a bit of form for a little while now. Um, but we, we can't not have the, the little section on Liverpool without talking about, first of all, Salah's ridiculous free ball for Mane's uh, opening goal. Okay, um, on that ball. He just knows that Mane's getting to that ball before the, the centre-back. That's the only sort of logic you can apply to that. And now he's doing this thing where he stands on the ball and invites people to dive into challenges and he makes them look absolutely stupid. And, you know, two games in a row, City and, 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 and Watford, and obviously City's defenders are of a much higher calibre. But these are still professional footballers who are being made to sit on the floor and look stupid as he's uh, dancing and weaving his way through. And, you know, there's a lot been said at the moment on, on international breaks are, t- are terrible things, aren't they? People get out the comparisons, Locker and... It's Hazard versus Salah this time around and Drogba versus whoever you choose. But the f- fact of the matter is, if we're having a conversation about the most informed player in the world, Salah's in that conversation with one or two other special players. And you know what? That's plenty good enough for me. I'm not going to sit here and, and argue the toss that he is the best. To be considered amongst them is, is good for Liverpool Football Club and good for his form, mate. I mean, let's talk, let's, let's talk even, even more about Salah because... I mean, recent years, the discussion about Salah was that he, on the ball, he doesn't look the most pleasant. 
Uh, but he gets you the goals. But now, especially this season, and to be fair, I don't think he was ever that bad on the ball. I just think he wasn't as silky as Sadio Mane. And that was the problem that people didn't have the, the uh, they just didn't connect the two. Um, but this season, he's like you said, he's inviting pressure, making defenders look silly. And those two goals, they have been absolutely special. 100%. And, you know, at the end of the day, he's, he's, what we've seen is he joined the club in 2017 and people forget that if he carries on this season the way he started it, he's going to be in the conversation for the Golden Boot for four consecutive seasons. Mm. That, that warrants you special status in the league. When he's, his career is finished and he goes and does whatever he's going to do in the future, when we guys like us sit down and talk about the best goal scorers the Premier League have ever had, He's at the same table as a Thierry Henry. Might not be sitting at the top of that table because Henry was a bit special. Um, but he's, he's in the conversation. His numbers are absolutely staggering. And the one thing that's definitely worth mentioning is he misses chances that all of us have seen him miss and you can't believe he misses them. So if he mm. was clinical, he'd be given as messy numbers. That That's how, how that's the, the potential that is in that man. And, you know, his form is sensational this year and he's, he's, he's building to... His peak form, which might be right about now. If you you can't believe he could get any better than he is at the moment. I'd like to see it, but but it's unlikely. Um, I think he's at the pinnacle of his career and he's been building with this. And but for him being in form last season, the fact that he was in such good form last season, he definitely catapulted us into the into the reckoning for Champions League. Without mm -hmm. Mo Salah, we get nowhere near it. So eternally grateful for Mo's form and the goals that he's scoring. Let me let me let me add to what Steve just said. In, I know I, I know I shouldn't bring this, but comparing it to, to Grealish, like people look at the price tag, right? And I look at a player like Mo Salah, and that's who you spend the hundred million pounds on. Someone whose output is just that ridiculous. Because you look at Mo Salah, he's just so direct. He has an eye for goal. You know, whether it's dribbling, whether it's the final pass, whether it's being in position to score, that's what you pay a hundred million pounds for. For someone who's gonna make those key decisive. Um, goals in those key moments or make a difference in those key moments. And that's where I've always argued about Grealish's price side because he doesn't offer that. And people have said, well, he plays in a poor Villa team, but you can still pop post up the numbers. Because even when Liverpool weren't that great last season, he was still scoring goals and posting up the numbers. And that's what you pay that kind of figure for. Someone in those key moments, you know, is going to get you those goals or give you that moment of brilliance and magic as he did against City and as he did against Watford for the opening goal with that fantastic pass and also the goal he scored. Um, what, what's interesting is that, sorry to interrupt, is that no, about to go into a contract renewal and the figure that's been banded around today is 400k a week. He's mm. worth every penny of 400k. If you're going to pay Messi 800 and Ronaldo 600, you've got to pay Salah 400,000. What that does on a bigger picture for Liverpool is it changes the face of what the club is and the business model. And FSG cannot ignore the fact that the Liverpool Football Club changes the day he signs that paperwork. Not so much for the guys that are in the squad at the moment, because they'll be sat in the dressing room looking at him going, wow, this guy's doing madness every single week and he's a special footballer and he, and he warrants the money. Yeah. But when we go and knock on somebody's door and try and sign their star player, that's the barometer of the wages those guys are going to be looking at. So it kind of forces FSG to change their business model. And, and me as a Liverpool fan, I'm really interested to see how that plays out because it might change the, the, the financial constraints that Klopp's been working under. Koji, you were going to say something? Um, yeah, I just, you know, in the, back to the thing about him not looking silky. Uh, we have seen players being raved over for looking silky, but not having near the output that the player has. His output is ridiculous. I, I, we, I think for me, personally, I prefer efficiency over style. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, look, 
we can even relate it back to playing style. Liverpool style is not the most attractive, but boy, they put teams away. And that's what you're there to do. You're, supposed, you're there to put teams away, make your mark and score goals and win games. And that's what they do. And with Salah, that's a gem that they have. You said it right. Just because he's not as silky as, I don't know, Salah or he's always um, as money. As you compared to Eden Hazard, obviously. Hazard being the premier dribbler that he was when he came with Wales in the Premier League Chelsea. But you don't need to be a high-level dribbler to be a top player. You need to be efficient in your job and do your job very well. And Salah's someone that drop you a seven minimum most of the time. Which is what you want. Seven. I think that's a bit low to be honest. Oh, with you, right now, right now it's a nine minimum. But yeah, overall, in his in his tenure at Liverpool, it, you know that he's going to produce for you. He was doing that at Roma. He did that Fiorentina for a year, and at Liverpool, he's taking it to a whole new level, and he's getting better. So you know, right as long as he's there scoring goals, Liverpool will always be a threat. He's fantastic. You, you can also say was, that, sorry, sorry. we talk about eye test. Hazard had the eye test. If you're honest and you look at Hazard's career, he could have achieved a lot more than he did. We would look back on his premiership career and say, did I actually maximise my potential? No, I don't think he did. He had a lot more to offer. He was the guy that was closest to making that quantum leap from being a great player to being in the bracket with, with the, the two goats that we've seen throughout the last 15 years. What wins you titles, I test or stats? Stats win you titles all day long, don't they? Because stats lead to prizes. So, yes, I, I get that, that Hazard was, was a sensational player to watch. But at times, the, the end product wasn't there and his goals and his assists mm. against Salah is, is, is evident. So I'm with you, Kojo. Um, Mo Salah's scoring special goals at the moment, which, which we've not seen do before. But he's, he is a very efficient guy. His stats, his, his numbers are incredible. And, and those numbers bring you prizes. If you can score 25 goals a season and assist 15 and, and, and your two partners up front get 15, 20 goals each, you're there at the end of the season when they're giving out the prizes. Big wrong trying to stir up some controversy in the, in the comments. <laughs> Not quite yet. Not quite yet. <laughs> no, if they want him, they, they got to get ready to pay at least 250 million. That's what I'm putting. <laughs> Do you think that will bother them? I don't think it will bother the Saudis, to be honest. But um, I was saying, I was saying before that this Watford game had the potential to be like a banana skin for for uh, Liverpool, considering that they were the team that beat uh, you to, to stop you from becoming uh, going unbeaten the entire season, but. I mean, Kojo, what, what happened to, to with with this Watford side? Because I'm mean, obviously, like Steve said, new manager bounce came in. They would you would assume that they would up they were out for it, considering that they had the confidence that they have already beaten this side. So what 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 went wrong for for they, Watford? For the teams that are inferior in quality, you need to be battling for every ball, and they just weren't doing that whatsoever. Liverpool came with the quality, but they also came with the um, assertiveness. They were very aggressive when they went for balls, first balls, second balls, third balls. And that's where they lost it. And as you watch the game, you could see their life being sucked out of the Watford players because they recognised that Liverpool were just up for the were just as up for the fight as they were. It wasn't a case of quality versus underdogs and the underdogs gonna try and fight and crawl. Liverpool were up for every battle and they won every battle cleanly. Um, even the first goal, Matip ran directly forward into the midfield area, won the header straight away, and then Salah the shocks the opponent of, I think it was Danny Rose. Danny Rose, yeah. And from that moment, you could see they realised what kind of match they were in. Not only was it a match of quality, it was a match of battles also. And Liverpool were not going to let any balls go away. So, um, it, new manager bounce doesn't work all the time, especially when you're considering you're facing Liverpool, if you're Watford. Claudio Ranieri's got pedigree, uh, Premier League winner. But I liked what he said at the end of the game. He just said, look, it's a big job, but if they listen to what I say and what I'm trying to do, it'll become a, better, a much more of an easier job. He's just trying to get results, get them out of the rut, 
and then get what he, what he wants. So I think they'll be okay. I, they're not in my free to get relegated, funnily enough, but I mm. think um, this is just what good. Yeah, I have a feeling someone else is going, but we'll talk about it another time. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lesson for them because they need to recognise Liverpool and even, I would say, City as well, because City are looked to be a silky side. But when City need to battle, they will battle. They will go toe-to-toe with you on the full pitch. They'll need to recognise they need to come with a bit more fire, not put their heads down, keep their heads up, and um, they'll be all right. But it was a shocking defensive performance, though. Horrid. I mean, you mentioned City going toe-to-toe with any team. I'm thinking Leicester City will go toe-to-toe with any team because they went toe-to-toe with this Manchester United team and they absolutely smashed your fortune. Did I just segue to my own... Wow, okay. Own downfall, bro, absolutely. Goals from Mason Greenwood, Yuri Tielemans, Calgar Sinokyo. I've always checked Sinokyo. Okay, fair enough. Marcus Rashford came back and got a goal. Jamie Vardy and Patson Daka. Now, where shall we start with this one, Kojo? It's up to you, my friend. Please, just enlighten us. Because I'd like to start with Harry Maguire. But you can no. go whoever you want to start You know, with. I'll say Actually, this. no, we'll, we'll leave Harry Maguire for Basil. Yeah, thank you, <laughs> thank you very much. I'll say this. I'll say this. Watford lost 5-0. May United lost 4-2. And Watford defended better than May United. That's, why I, that's how I'll describe it. May United's defensive performance from all over the pitch was shocking. Um, we'll go from front to back. United don't have a collective press. There's no plan to press. The The beef within United fan base is they're not, well, they weren't very sure about Ronaldo coming because Ronaldo doesn't press. My thing is, when have United ever pressed as a good unit ever? Oh, like past 2013 anyway. You know, so we haven't had a collective unit going forward. So it's not a Ronaldo problem. It's not a Bruno Fernandes problem. It's not a Rashford problem. It's a collective problem. That's number one. Number two, you know, again, you don't play Pogba and Matic together. They had that little spell, whatever. But then, whether it's McTominay and Fred, whether it's those two, whether you bring Danny Van de Beek into the midfield, you always notice a gap between the midfield and the defence, and it's always exposed by every opponent in some way, shape, or form within games. And then when you go to the back, ah, where do I even begin with this one? Um, there is no cohesion and... They are so disjointed, and I had a feeling that Rafael Varane was not going to save this United defence. Um, there's always this thing about he, um, defenders complementing each other. So because um, Maguire lacks agility because he lacks speed, Rafael Varane can be the perfect foil for him to chase back. And my thing is, when you look at the great partnerships, it wasn't, you know, Nesta wasn't fast. So if he misses the ball, Martini can chase back for him. Or Colotori is faster than Sol Campbell. So, you know, he can go back. If Sol Campbell misses the... It was... They work collectively as a unit and they complement each other perfectly. That's not about covering each other. It's about helping each other together and making sure your, your opponents don't have a, a sniff when they approach your box. No matter the partnership, what it looks like right now is everyone gets a sniff when they're playing main United Football Club. The goals we conceded were pathetic. Not winning the first ball, Maguire, a ball that was passed to him. People were blaming De Gea for that. I'm pretty sure the first basic of football is stay on your toes. When the ball comes to you, you go first. Um, this, and, well, great shot, um, great strike by Tillmans, by the way. I'll give him that credit for that. Mm, oh, bro, that was, that was a beautiful goal. Beautiful, man. Um, the second goal was scored by, who was it again? Sorry? Senior Q. Yeah, oh, boy. That's said about that one, to be honest. 
Um, my night, my night had a set piece coach, by the way. That's just for anyone listening. Um, the third goal was not start with set piece coaches. Arsenal are up soon, so don't worry about it. But anyway, continue. <laughs> the third goal, the third goal made me angry the most because we had literally equalized, just equalized. So the fact that you get back into the game and within a minute you are now picked back to going back um, for Leicester to go in front again is wasn't it like something like thirteen seconds? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, something like that. And what what worried me or what scared me is someone that is a regular in our midfielder, which is McTominay. If you saw the way he, well, he didn't even approach. Jose Perez um, is allowed to just sort of just wander into the box, and he's backing off, backing off. And I compared it to, um, it's, it's just it's a point, so don't don't get you know don't get annoyed. When um, Hazard scored that goal at Stafford Bridge when Koscielny was backing up so much oh, and he yeah. near enough his goalkeeper and I'm in my head I'm, I'm thinking how much do you want to back up into your own box before you suddenly realise oh wait I must engage him and stop him from getting near enough to go to cause a threat lo and hold Jane Vardy of all people was left in the box by himself another issue and then the Dakar goal Wan-Bissaka wow. and Harry Maguire I mean I, I've said this time and time again I don't rate Wan-Bissaka that highly as a defender. And I'll tell you why. One-on-one defending is great, but there's more aspects to defending than just one-on-one defending. You have to know how to mark people, track runs, be positionally aware, and he lacks in those aspects of the games. And that's why he gets caught out quite a bit. People are beginning blaming Maguire for the goal, and I get it. He was at fault as well because he was actually marking anybody. He's the most dominant defender of the year for Man United by far, by a country mile. So he should be engaging someone. He should be marking, he should be blocking. But Wan-Bissaka looks at his man, holds him, and then as soon as the ball whips in, he's ball watching. He has no awareness. He has no idea what's going on. And Dakar's allowed to make that run to the box. And he's in a good position because as a striker, you're hoping for the ball to come into an area where you can take advantage. And lo and behold, he did. This is the kind of thing that happens at Man United Football Club. This is a reoccurring theme. This isn't something new. Um, so look, I'm not surprised. I predicted 2-2 at the beginning of the game because I did think we're going to concede two stupid goals. They doubled it. So, you know, that, that sums up my United in a nutshell. And if I'm going to be honest with you, I am absolutely, because I'm not going to, I'm not going to swear on this, pooping myself for the game against Liverpool. Because if Leicester can expose my United like that, Jesus Christ, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a massacre at Old Trafford. Like, that's, it's going to be a massacre. That's, there you go. Uh, Basil, I, f- I feel like we we've we are licensed uh, to talk about Starboys has been revoked, but let's talk about um, let's talk about Mason Greenwood because that strike was phenomenal. Do you know what? It's definitely fun- it, it was a fantastic finish. He's a great finisher. I don't know if the right wing is the right position for him because it is you can for me that like you can play that position when your front three is fluid. I remember there was a few years ago it was Martial. Um, it was actually him. Martial and Rashford, like how they were all rotating, picking up mm. the spaces and the gaps that were opening up. And they're moving in there and they're scoring a lot of goals. I think that was about two years ago. I think that was the season that Martial scored, I think, 20 plus goals. And when when you have that kind of food movement, similar to when Barcelona had the front three of um, Suarez, Messi and Neymar, where you have that fluidity between the players, it works because that player doesn't stick to position, his license to roam about a move. When I watch Mason Greenwood on the right wing, I feel something about him is being lost a bit. Like he, he's sometimes in games and sometimes not in games, but you know, give him a chance, he's going to score a goal and the quality is going to shine through. 
And I don't know how Oli is managing that situation in terms of the play. I think he's trying too much to keep players happy. And sometimes you have to just maybe upset a few players, select the right team, mould certain players and put them in the right positions. And I think he's trying to facilitate having Ronaldo in the team, having Greenwood there because obviously he knows that he's a, he's a top talent and we have to put our top talent there. Trying to facilitate Rashford being there and Bruno being there. And it's not working. I don't know what they're working on in the training ground, but it just it doesn't seem to be fluid. It just seems that individual quality, like that, a special moment, is what is getting them the goals rather than maybe a collective performance from a number of players working well together. And, you know, he, he's a talent. I don't know if right wing is the, is the right place to play him unless he's going to be fluid. I still think he, he's more as a centre forward. Um, you know, put him the right ball, give him the right balls with the right movement and he will score goals. Um, but he, he was a fantastic strike and we know that give him half a chance, um, he will score those type of goals. I guess the only thing that he needs to probably do to improve his game, which is going back um, in a few games prior, is maybe learning when to release the ball a bit quicker. Or sometimes play other players in rather than always looking to get the strike off. Um, I think that would help him improve his, improve his game a bit. I mean, Steve, it seems like it's all going wrong for Manchester United and everybody seems to want to pop well, Everybody apart from Gary Neville wants to lay the blame at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, I mean, it's got to be untenable right now. You can't go from, you can't get a goal. You can't score a goal and then 13 seconds later concede and expect to keep your job. And it's, it's getting worse and worse. Manchester United, there were talks of top four, there was talks of championship runs, there were talks of Champions Leagues and it's all just evaporating. I think the thing with, with Ollie is we need to recognise this is this is a guy who was offered his dream job and he's never going to turn it down being Manchester United manager. Um, his capabilities are well below what Manchester United need right now. Mm. So I said to somebody the other day, um, I don't necessarily put all the responsibility for what Manchester United are going through at Ollie's door. They should never have recruited him for that position because the, the club's bigger than he is. The, the size of the project is bigger than he is, rather. Um, and then they shouldn't leave him in that position. The, the, they're not making a substitution for 110 minutes in a European final mm. win, hoping that Pogba or, or Bruno could do something majestic and win you the game. Um, says an awful lot about tactical awareness. Yeah. You look at his coaching staff. What's Michael Carrick and, and the other guy giving him? I don't know. Um, what's what's Mike Phelan doing? In, in years gone by, Mike Phelan was like like what Liverpool had in Ronnie Moran, who was the the go between between the players and the manager because the manager needs to be certainly Alex Ferguson was a little bit aloof when it comes to the players and not get down to a level of relationship with the influences his decisions. Mm. So the situation is it, for me is if you if you take Ollie out of the, of the equation and, and and you move him on and it's a bigger question and you bring in a Zidane. I don't think there's a manager in world football that I would include uh, Klopp and Pep in this that can get you a decent double pivot out of that centre midfield. I just don't think it's possible. I think, I think the, the, you know, you look at those those managers and you look at what they try to do, and this is the difference. And it was alluded to it earlier that, that Manchester United have no style of play. You can't Manchester United play off the cuff football. The game unfolds in front of them, and they try to take advantage of individual situations or which which relate to skill and and sort of impulsive football as opposed to playing a very rigid game plan which is what liverpool have got so i i, I struggle to see how any any manager coming in will be able to make a double pivot out of adam Fred and matic for, for differing reasons 
And if I was any team playing Manchester United, my whole game plan would be to play in the space in front of the back four because they just can't deal with it. Um, and and, and it's, it, it would be a concern. And, uh, you know, people are saying Zidane, well, if Zidane's coming in, is he bringing Casemiro with him? Because that's what you need. Is he taking mm. Tomini with him and bringing someone else in? You, Manchester United's problem doesn't disappear with, with the replacements of Ollie. It'll need two transfer windows to try to resolve the midfield issues for me. Um, but no, his job is untenable. Um, I don't know why he's still in the position. Um, he really doesn't have the minerals to do the job. He's a nice guy, right? What he did was take a club that was suffering a little bit of internal turmoil, settle it all down, make mm. people know each other again. And there's a lot to be said for that. And when it comes to it, and you go and set up your side against a Nune Emery side in Europe, and Nune Emery's got tactical awareness. What Villarreal did was very clever the way they played. He didn't have an answer for it. The most frustrating thing for, for Manchester United fans must be when it's not going well for Manchester United to see him stood on the touchline with his arms folded, looking lost. He's not a guy that can make a change in, in real time and, and switch something about. He's not a guy that's got the personnel to make that change and switch something about. So I've a degree of sympathy for him. Listen, Jaden Sancho is going to be a tremendous footballer, but the £73 million spent on Jaden Sancho should have been spent on a specialist six. Because Manchester United were, at the time, the only team in for Sancho and they could have afforded to wait 12 months and then do it. Mm. Their development and their progress with a, with, a, with a designated specialist number six, a sitter who, who, who does that, nothing else like Fabinho does for Liverpool and Rodri does for Manchester City to great effect and Jorginho does it and, and Kovacic can do to some degree at Chelsea. The, the pieces of the jigsaw start with, with, with Solskjaer but there's lots of things that need to be corrected and, and their recruitment and, and their management of Oli's situation is, is as much to blame as anything for me. Yeah. Go on, you go, go on. Yeah, no, I was going to say just two things out, um, Steve, because especially the Steve, Steve mentioned a good point, the Sancho signing. And I've always said that I don't think United need a Sancho. And, it, and it's funny because when I listen to a lot of pundits, because um, I used to watch German football when he was playing, and when I listened to them, they all had a misconception as to what type of player Jaden Sancho was. I remember one time McManaman was saying that he was better than Prime Neymar, and I was like, ridiculous comment. Um, during a Champions League game. <laughs> Ridiculous. And the thing is that when you look at Sancho in the Bundesliga, the Bundesliga isn't great defensively because obviously everything, most teams are more concerned about their offensive play. So there's a lot of space that opens up in behind. And when you look at Jaden Sancho and obviously a lot of the assists, he was running into space or even when he was dribbling the ball, he was running into open space rather than taking on a lot of players. His take-ons was mainly in the final third, where that's where you should be taking the take-ons. And secondly, he had a lot of movement from the Dortmund players, where he could do one-twos, link up, and obviously then play it back to player who can score. Or also, like as a space opens up for him to run into space where he could score goals. The Premier League is very different, where it's, it's, a, it's a lot more compact. People don't give you a lot of space, and people close you down as much. And so people had this misconception of Jaden Sancho, that it was this type of player who's going to take the ball, maybe run past three players and create for United. And... And I, and I used to speak to him and I said, you will probably struggle when he comes into Premier League because there's a different calibre of game than the German League and he won't get as much space to operate. The bigger issue he has as United, like I said, is just the lack of movement from the players. As Steve said, United don't have a game plan. So even when he's on the ball, you're looking around like, what are the other players doing? And sometimes they're not making the right movements to utilise Jadon Sancho as effectively as they can. And that's the reason why 
he's struggling. And and, Steve, and as alluding to what Steve says, if they have a better manager with a better system of play, better tactics, you may get much more out of Jaden Sancho than what you're getting now. And um, and so, yeah, like I said, I didn't think, and like I said, you had Martial, Rashford, um, who could operate Greenwood, who you could move around in those positions. So I thought to myself, why would you need Sancho? Your priority would have been a midfielder. You know, maybe Party, you could have gone in before Arsenal did. Maybe Kamavinga, you could have bought him, taken a risk mm -hmm. on a young player, could have been maybe a player who could have been 10 years in that position. You know, that, those are the type of positions you need to sort it out before you went and got a Ronaldo or a Jaden Sancho. And then my final point, like I said, I haven't, I don't really rate Maguire. I remember people saying Varane was the missing jigsaw to that United defence. And I used to always say that United needed two defenders rather than one defender. Yesterday highlighted it because I said, for me, Maguire is a good squad player, a player you can utilise in certain games. But throughout the whole He's season... He's really a brown squad player. Unfortunately, that's, that's <laughs> ability-wise as a squad player. Um, <laughs> But that's the thing. I've always said he's not reliable throughout a whole season. There's key games where he switches off. I mean, there's there's times where he doesn't know what to do, whether to engage in a player or whether to drop off. And then when he engages, I have no idea what he's doing. He sticks out a leg and then players just kick the ball past him. And then his turn of pace to react to that is, is shocking. And I've always said his concentration for me is one of these biggest weaknesses in football. And when he doesn't concentrate, it generally leads to a lot of chances created for the opposing team. Or a lot of goals and like i said as if you're a top quality defender and an 80 million defender you can't rely on another defender to cover your sins you have to be a top quality defender you know we can't say because varan isn't there oh maguire isn't in best form maguire should still be performing even though varan isn't next to him you know he's your cat he's your captain if i'm correct I'd rather not. I'd rather not ask that. Yeah, well, <laughs> he, has lead, he has to lead by example. And, and look, yeah. at yesterday was a as was an appalling display by him. I don't think he sees danger at all ever. Mm. He's, he's in cloud cuckoo land. You know the, the goal that the, the, the fourth goal, the one where he's, he's on the post and he steps yeah. three yards off the post. There's a massive space in behind him. If that was the first time we'd see this, you could say, okay, mm. then a couple of weeks out, he's not with it. But I don't buy this. He wasn't fit. Yeah. You don't have to be fit to see where a ball's going to land. You know, you have to be able to read the game and understand the dangers. Eighty million pound for for, for Harry Maguire is, is is arguably one of the, the most bizarre transfer fees you'll ever see because <laughs> week in week out, yeah. he shows us his inadequacies. And and, and I, I am actually gobsmacked. And this isn't an overreaction. I can't believe he's a professional footballer. That's how poor I think. <laughs> <laughs> He's good in the air because he's a unit, right? And the ball lands yeah. on his head and it goes back 40 yards and everyone goes, great clearance, Harry. Paying the ball down the side of him, he's got absolutely no chance. Yeah. Have a, a player with guile, a bit of creativity around him, he's got absolutely no chance. Yeah. I will I will concede he's good at carrying the ball out and starting passages of play down the left-hand side. He can see a pass. My worry would be when he's 40, 50 yards away from the goal, you don't want him seeing passes because if it breaks down yeah. and you're playing against a Salah and you've got Shaw doing an overlap to cross, you break it down. Salah's, as we saw against um, Denver Bar, there's a danger that, that someone could get in behind the entire Manchester United defence. Yeah. That is because his starting positions, when, when it breaks down, are absolutely appalling. He just doesn't see danger. Um, this is why um, my final point of United is. Um, me, when me and Kel spoke about United, I think last season or season before, 
I said that I feel like United needed more than just those three signings and um, in terms of position-wise because the quality is not there. It's, it's kind of alarming to me that Mourinho actually wanted him at home. Mourinho wanted him at home for a much cheaper price because he wanted to add him as a squad player. He didn't want to bring him as a starter. He didn't want to have him as a, a main centre-back. He wanted to add to the defence and say, this is someone that's built for a different occasion. Essentially, when you're thinking of playing a different type of op- opponent, take the pressure off uh, David De Gea. Because De Gea, when we finished second, had a monstrous season. But if you have defenders for different occasions, we can deal with threats better. That's what he was looking for. Now, when it comes to these positions, like, for example, Steve mentioned the number six. My issue with... If, there's no issue with signing a number six. My issue with Ole is... Is he looking to sign a number six to play the formation? To do a, um, sort of like a 4-3-3? Three, three? I don't think he's looking to do so. He's, he's so fixated on a 4-2-3-1. So there's no variety. Play, when people come to play Man United, they know what they're up against. Same formation, same sort of approach. And like Steve said, all you have to do is literally just target the space between the midfielders and the centre-backs, and then you're in. It's that simple. Um, but even Sancho is a signing as well. I agree with what Basil said. His style of play is not what we're looking for. But if you sign that player, and your intention, if it is your intention, is to play him on the right side, you need to find a style of play that helps not only accommodate him, but gets the best out of him, that equally gets the best out of everybody else. That's your job as a manager yeah. and coach of the football club. Quite frankly, he's not doing that. So... Look, I think, firstly, I know why his, his position is not untenable yet, because surprisingly, this is his best start to a season as Man United manager. <laughs> no so, way. <laughs> yeah, so they're looking at that as improvement. This is, this yeah. is my issue. They, they're looking at that and they're saying, well, it's the best start he's had. And they're not that far off top because it's only October. That's what they're going to say. If Arsenal, Kojo, if Arsenal win, I think they're like two points off United. So... <laughs> That Spurs fans have been screaming at Nuno, but they're on top of us already. So how good is the season Man United having under Ole if the, the board are happy about it? Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. so look, I just think I think you know he's he's got so much to work on. I'm just hoping they can work on it away from Man United, but um <laughs> yeah, honestly, we've got a long way to go. It's, it's, it's one of have. those yeah. It's yeah. one of those things where I mean teams I mean, I, 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 I say this being fully aware that I'm an Arsenal fan, that teams just have bad runs of form and then they come against us and then they absolutely they, they absolutely pounce us. I mean, Leicester's uh, run of form, the last five games were Man City lost, Brian Albion, Brian Hove Albion lost, Burnley draw, Palace draw, then they come to you, then they come to you and it's a 4-2 victory. I mean, they haven't been playing well all season and Brendan Rodgers has a lot to answer for, I think personally, uh, defensively especially. But... Is this a change for them? Is there a, ch- a change in fortunes for Leicester coming, do you think? Or is it just, this is just a, an anomaly and uh, it will go back to I don't know, regular scheduled programming? No, it's, it's, a, it's a confidence booster. They've got a, good, they got a good squad. They actually got some good players in there. So I think it's a confidence booster. I think because they've sort of been on the edge of getting to Champions League and sort of thrown it away, people have this expectation of them to... Get be close already. You should be mm. in and around that area. But every team in the Premier League improves. They weren't the only team that improved this year. So Mar is a good signing. Pats and Daka is a good signing. But they're not the only club in and around that area to improve their squad. And you know, if I'm being, if we're gonna keep it blunt, they don't have the quality that Liverpool possess. They don't have the quality that Chelsea possess. They don't have the quality that City possess. So that leaves one spot. Mm. And, you know, people will argue that Maynard on paper have a better squad, but obviously because they're more of a cohesion unit at Leicester, 
that's why they're able to win this game. They'll get results and they'll come back and they'll climb the table. I just don't know if they are good enough to get Champions League football. Mm. I don't think so. But, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they got a run of form and got close again and then came back out again. That seems to be the theme with Leicester. Yeah, I mean, so, I, their, their, next, their next few games are, are quite interesting. So Brentford, Arsenal, Leeds and Chelsea... So boom, lose, that's gonna be... I think I think they'll win one. I think they'll probably draw another one and lose two. They're another team that suffer from a manager that that can't fix things during the game. Um, Brendan Rodgers, when it was at Liverpool, and when Brendan Rodgers came to Liverpool, the biggest thing he brought to Liverpool was his ego. Now he's changed that a little bit. He's been away and licked his wounds at Celtic, and he's kind of reinvented himself a little bit. Um, he won't play against teams who set up defensively like Manchester United did every week, and, and that did help. Yeah. Um, when Greenwood scored the opening goal, because um, you're quite right that, that Leicester's form has been sneaking up the Premiership for the last month or so. And I think if Man United win that game, there's a, bit, there's a certain amount of pressure on Rodgers. But how fickle is football? That If Man United go on and win that game, Rodgers is under pressure. Because yeah. Leicester win 4-2, he's, 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 he's elevated to sort of hero status for the weekend and all the pressure's off. That's, that's football and that's how it is. Um, you're quite right about some of the additions. Vestergaard will be a good addition when he settles in. Um, they've got Ryan Bertram on a free as well. So the, the problem is they probably brought in too many players at once. This is a Rogers thing. Rogers likes to play championship manager and go and sign everybody <laughs> that's available. You know, you, you can't in, 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 inject six new, seven new players into your first team squad and not expect that to take a little while to gel. And I agree with Kojo. I think they'll finish in a similar position to where they finished last year. They've got too much quality not to. Mm. You know, like young Harvey Barnes, who's a, who's a real, he's going to be a superstar. Um, you know, and, and Madison was didn't play particularly well against Man United and got the hook because of it. Um, and obviously his replacement, Kojo, has dug out the fact that he got too deep into the box for, for Vardy's goal. Leicester will, will be okay. Um, they'll finish. Their, their expectation is to finish sort of in, in Europa League spots, I think, these days. I think, I think as you quite rightly said, there's, there's three teams that are head and shoulders at the moment. And if Manchester United sort themselves out, they've got a squad good enough to, to, to challenge for fourth place. Um, you wouldn't rule out a top the more an Arsenal putting a run together because nobody's putting their hand up to say, listen, guys, you come and take fourth place off us. That's in the melting pot. Aston Villa can have a run at that. West Ham probably in the box seat to have a run at that at the moment. But there'll be there'll be five or six that we're looking at fourth place, and then and then below that, those that Manchester United don't get fourth place for a club that size, that's a disaster. But for the rest of the teams, to challenge for fourth place and end up in the Europa League ticks all the boxes when when you look at the seasonal expectations. So yeah, Leicester will be okay. They'll, they'll finish there and thereabouts. Uh, Manchester City also got a victory this weekend, 2 0 against Burnley goals from Bernardo Silva, Kevin De Bruyne. Um, Koja, let's go to let's go. Let's go to, let's go to Basil for this one. Bernardo Silva, every, I think every I think everybody would agree that he is one of those inconsistent players that you just never know what he's gonna quite you, you're gonna quite get out from him, especially yeah. the last couple of years. But I mean he's he's getting he's back in form, it seems he's scoring, he's, he's in the goal. So that was that's a blessing for Pep. It's, it's a weird one with City, right? <clears throat> and City, are, I think, are the only team that can potentially get away with it, maybe Chelsea, is that when you have a squad with the depth that City have, you can have players going in, a, in and out of form. <laughs> and it's a weird one. So you have it all the time. Sterling, 
Mares, Bernardo Silva, they seem to have a purple patch. Then the performances seem to dip. Then they're out of the squad. Someone else replaces them, ups their performances. Then they're back in the squad and then the performances right raise again. And I think they're, maybe them and Chelsea are probably the only team that can get away with players not consistently performing because they can be replaced at any moment of a time. And someone else will come in and just take over from where the last player left off. Um, like I said, Bernardo Silva is a funny one because he's got the quality. He's a fantastic footballer, especially on the eye. Just isn't consistent enough. And I think what he and I think maybe a lot of City players maybe suffer from this is that because they're not main guys in the squad, in terms of sometimes you have players with certain quality and they want to be the main star in the squad, but everything is built around them and maybe vast environment that they thrive in. I think players suffer from not being the main focal point in the team. And that's why they, they, they go in and out of performances. Like Mares was the main guy at Leicester and we saw the performances there. He comes in at City, he's just another player. The performances isn't consistent enough. Same in Grealish, he was the main guy at Aston Villa. The performances this season, for me, on a person, hasn't been consistent enough. I'm not saying he's playing badly, but it mm. hasn't been to a very high standard. Same with um, Sterling. Sometimes he has good performances. Then the performances aren't good enough. And I think, I look at certain players and I think, if you were the main star at another team, maybe we may see, see that consistency because the team is built around them. Right, yeah. I think that's probably the reason why a lot of City players um, suffer. Because you look at Salah, everyone knows he's the main guy at Liverpool. He can do what he wants. Even sometimes when he shoots and he doesn't pass, his, it doesn't pass, it doesn't phase him. Even when you look at other players and they're giving a look like, you should have played me that ball. It doesn't phase him because he's the main guy and everything is built around most Salah being successful at Liverpool. You put Salah at City, where he's just another number, he'll probably still score goals, but we may not see that consistency because you're having to share the burden and the load with other players. And I think that's probably the problem you get at City, which is why players like Bernardo Silva, you look at them one minute and they look fantastic. The next minute you're thinking, wow, he looks awful. I mean, let's go to you, Steve. I'm going to talk about you. Did mention Sterling there, and uh, for me, I feel like he's be, he's, he's kind, not a scapegoat, but he's being unfairly treated considering what he'd done for Pep, especially in the first few seasons, at the title running uh, winning seasons where he scored what was it, about 30, 30 goals a season, which is a crazy number. And considering that you obviously have first hand experience of Sterling, but not this Sterling, what is going wrong for for him? Because I, I, because I, he gets in the England team and he and he's 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 in the goals, but once he hits that City team, it seems like his confidence drops and he just isn't as clinical as as we've known him to be. He's he's an interesting character. Um, there are some some issues around sometimes his conduct, sometimes the way the way he is, the way his demeanour around the club. You know, we saw that with the Joe Gomez situation. We saw that when he came out two years ago in, in a press conference and said, nobody wants to see Liverpool win the title, do they? You don't need to do <laughs> things like that, OK? That that might be how you feel. Doesn't well. like, uh... <laughs> all, 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 he did, all he did was motivate Liverpool to go and try that much harder. You know, our team yeah. talked for us that week. So I think, th just listening to Basil, there's some really interesting and good points. I think the, the issue you have with someone like City is, because they've got five players you can play with, with width. You've got Mahrez, you've got Silva, you've got Sterling, you've got Greenish, you've got Foden, you've got... The, the possibilities are endless. When one player plays really well, and when Bernardo Silva plays well, Manchester City play well, I will say that much because his work rate is absolutely phenomenal in both mm -hmm. directions. Um, Pep can fall in love with players for four or five, six weeks at a time. 
because mm. they're doing it there and then. And then they have a bad game and he brings in Foden and Foden has a well deal. He falls in love with Foden for four or five or six games. And that's not uncommon with, with squads of that nature. That That's one of the hardest things to, to manage the balance. So Sterling's been there the longest out of all of the names that we've just mentioned is probably the guy that, that, that Guardiola feels I've seen as much as I can get out of this guy. Jack Greenish is an unknown quantity for City. Um, how good could he be? Everybody's waxing lyrical and rightly so about Phil Foden because he's going to be an absolutely tremendous player in years to come. Yeah. As I just said, when, when Bernardo Silva's playing well, he's he's on the team sheet, end off. And then you've got to look at you got to look at Mares, who, who who you know would get in any pretty much any other team in the Premier League, maybe not Liverpool because our right side's tied up with, with Armand Salah. Yeah. Um and then you can take it one step further. One of the most exciting um, wingers in European football, Leroy Sane, had to leave the club mm. because he couldn't get the games he wanted and he couldn't get the, the, the pat. Some players need a pat on the back. Some players need to be loved. And I think if you give Sane a big hug every time he comes off the pitch, he goes out there and puts a shift in the next week for you. And, and it's difficult to balance how you manage all of those superstars. You know, so, some, some players are a bit more precious and a bit more sensitive sensitive than others and i think i think now might be the time correctly so for sterling to think about potentially another project and it happens and it's not wrong that it happens you know we've seen we've seen suarez go to, to barcelona and tear it up we've seen ronaldo go to manchester from manchester united to real madrid and tear it up so your stellar your talismanic players do sometimes tire and need a, a fresh challenge if Ronaldo can leave Manchester United and all their pomp and go and do bigger and better things at Real Madrid, it's not so inconceivable that someone like Sterling could think his time at Manchester City was coming to an end. I'll, I'll add this quickly, just to Steve. I, I also blame Pep Guardiola a bit, um, to be honest, because you're looking at two different Sterlings. When you look at the Sterling at Liverpool to the Sterling at City, mm. it's a completely different Sterling. And, you know, Sterling at Liverpool was an exciting player. He, like, he could dribble the ball, take on players, had a bit of flair. Pepper's sort of taken all of that away from him and created him just to be efficient, move into this area. When you have the ball, pass the ball here. You know, obviously he's made him a much more, I think, tidy technical player. Mm. I think you've lost that kind of special shine that Sterling used to have mm. when at Liverpool. Like even now, when he dribbles now and, and tries to take on play, he sometimes struggles to take on players one-on-one -on -one sometimes. Mm. And at Liverpool, every time he got the ball, he was always onto the, onto the, onto the defender. And because of that, Sterling saw became a system player. And when the system in itself wasn't thriving for him, you sort of saw sometimes in games he had nothing to offer. And, I, and similar to say, I think sometimes you need that fresh challenge to just reinvent yourself again. And I think that's where we're at with Sterling. With his career at Liverpool, um, he played in, in the team when Suarez was, was arguably one of the best players yeah. in York. Suarez dragged all the players around him to levels that they, they didn't even know they could do. And what, mm. what Sturridge and, and, and Sterling did in particular was they capitalised on the space that Suarez created because he would go and take on a whole defence and quite capable, quite capable of going past two or three players and then Sterling would fill in the spaces behind him and he benefited from that. The interesting thing for me is when he, when he left the club, his, his rationale was he wanted to play through the centre. Well, he's never really played through the centre for Manchester City, so... These are the things that Liverpool fans don't forget. I see now and then on Twitter, Sterling's unhappy at Man City. Would you have him back? Not because of the way he behaved. No, I think he'll go abroad. Personally, I think I think he'll end up abroad. Um, 
he's a he's a potential player for someone like a Real Madrid because they've got to be reinvent themselves with different players, haven't they? Because you know, look at their their own transfer policy this summer was lighten the load, get rid of some wages in Varane and Ramos, and then sign Camavinga for for very very little money. Um, they didn't really go large, so so they might be stealing themselves for for a marquee signing and. That just might be Sterling. That might be the impetus he needs to go and play. He'd enjoy Spanish football because of the, the fact that it's quite a slow build-up and then he accelerates in the final third. And that would probably suit his game. So, yeah, it's a difficult one. I don't think he helps himself sometimes. Uh, it could be... Sorry, it, it could be like a test of character for me because I can't remember a time, obviously, he burst into the scene at Liverpool, became kind of a bit of a quick starter, I would say, in that Liverpool team. And then he went to City and immediately was starting in that squad as well. And as Basil rightly pointed out, in the first um, couple of years, he was the goal-getter. He was the, the game-winner at, at times, mm. you know, especially at that, that far post. But I say it could be a test of character because if this is your first time in that situation where you are not really seen as one of the main men, and you're alluded to the players that can have out wide, but even Gabriel Jesus now wants to reinvent himself as a winger, um, <laughs> Ferran Torres is a natural winger that's now playing in the Does middle. Does he want to? Or is, cause he, yeah, I feel cause like he can't maybe, maybe he's doing that Phil Walcott thing where he's like, you know, I can't be distracted here, so let me go back to my... <laughs> 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 he could be doing that. But I think... <laughs> Brazilian Phil Walker, that should have been the name of the podcast, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> but I think... Um, no, I think he just needs to... He needs to figure out what he needs for himself next because those, inter- those comments about playing abroad were interesting, but... Were they a reality when you were number one in the City squad? I don't think so. No. Nowhere near. I think you were thinking, this is the team I play at. I'll probably go far here, maybe retire here because I'm winning things. I'm seen as a main man. My relationship with Pep Guardiola is great. But now that it's deteriorating, it's now like I need to look elsewhere. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't think there's an issue with that. But this could also be a test. It could be a, let's see how you bounce back. You know, when you get your game, because yesterday was his, only his first start of the season, um, maybe in the league, I'm not sure if it's about overall all competitions, but first start of the season. And again, you you didn't really do anything of merit. You didn't do anything to change the game. You weren't outstanding. You didn't even drop a seven. A seven for me is what we do, he would look for, say, okay, maybe next week. But, um, you know, I think he'd give him that chance because of those comments that he made midweek. But look, I... He's got a lot to think about. He's got quite a bit to work on because this could be a test. And if you go to somewhere like Real Madrid, they are a lot more unforgiving. Yes. Yes. A lot more unforgiving. So if your level does not go up for them, it could be actually a worse scenario for you. So I just think he's to you. Good really point. Say, yeah, and think about what he does before he... This is now his, his second season on the fringes because, you know, a lot of people looked at the Euro squad and said... Is Southgate putting him in there on trust and the fact he's delivered before? Because mm. if you look at his appearances last season for City, he would be disappointed with that. Mm. And he's going to go through a second season of that. These guys want to play football. That's what they want to do. They want to get out there and play. And, and that alone, you know, Greenish has only made that situation more complex at City for me. So it, it's an interesting one. I guess we watch it with interest and see what happens. And, and if he chooses to move on, then... Bayern Munich buy all the, all, the, all the wide men that are available, don't they? So, you know, it's not inconceivable they're putting in for him. But, um, I mean, yeah, it's an interesting one. Bayern, um, Real Madrid, Arsenal. I don't, I, don't think go, I don't think he'd go Bayern. I think they've got too many players. They've got way too many, yeah. Yeah, way yeah. too many. Arsenal, Arsenal, we've got a left wing just waiting for him. 
so in case way, you could do one of those bad moves and go to Juventus and be part of that shocking system they have right now. <laughs> they're, they're currently eighth. That's disgraceful. That's actually disgraceful. It's, it's, it's Ronaldo's fault, by the way, that they're eighth. Let's not let's not let's not go there. Let's not go there. Um <laughs> Other teams that were in uh, competition this weekend were Chelsea. They beat Brentford 1-0 and it took them a while. Uh, ben Chilwell was 40, on the 45th minute with a, it's a great finish. I can't, can't, can't take it away from him, but they uh, they didn't look that convincing. Is that something that Chelsea are, I wouldn't say proud of, but they they know that the team isn't really in, in first or I don't know, fifth or whatever gear it is. I, I don't drive cars in it. So, so uh, whatever, whichever <laughs> gear um, the, is the best gear. <laughs> um, uh, but there is more to come from this Chelsea team or is it tactics? Is it tactical that they're not playing this expansive, beautiful football that Thomas Tuchel was known for at Bruce, from Borussia Dortmund, PSG? But it's... He's not showing at that Chelsea. Well, you you, you can play that expensive uh, expansive football at Borussia Dortmund because everyone in the Bundesliga plays that kind of football. So you can expose the defense if you don't approach in an, an attacking system, an attacking way. You're not doing yourself justice in that league. Borussia Dortmund have a lot more quality than most of the teams in that league, bar one. So you know, but I think look, it looks like tactically they're getting a bit found out. Mm. They, they created chances, don't get me wrong, they created chances against Brentford. Lukaku missed some chances that he should have scored. Werner, well, Werner did Werner. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Lukaku even had an offside goal this time, which was rightly um, given yeah. for offside. But look, in that second half, Brentford really, really made them sweat. And that was not any sort of accident. That every sort of way they attacked, whether it was playing, giving, the, giving the ball on the ground or where they targeted the aerial balls were, were on purpose and they found weaknesses and they were just unlucky that Mendy was in the form of his life. And if it wasn't Mendy, it was um, Shalab, um, Trevor Shalabar making um, goal line clearances. And, you know, so I think they're getting a bit found out because Lukaku is struggling, struggling to find chances, let alone find the back of the net. He's struggling to find chances, like clear cut chances now. This six is another one yeah, six games without a goal, isn't it? Six or seven yeah. now, yeah, without, yeah. without So that's a problem, number one. And you signed him to be your premier striker because Werner was not doing the job as your main goal scorer. So if he's not finding the net, back in the net, good for them at like Chilwell. I mean, Chilwell, Alonso can add more goals, obviously, to the team as well. They've got some guys that can add goals to the got team, but they're starting to get a bit found out tactically. And this is not going to be a one-time thing. This is going to be a reoccurrence. I think there's a bit of excitement where they beat Arsenal, um, and so, but that Arsenal, even that Arsenal performance was very disjointed. Arsenal looked better after that defeat. Um, so I think they just, Tuchel needs to find out what's going on because this is not something where your luck is going to keep running for you. It's going to run out at some point and it could be an exposing defeat and it can start something going on. So they're doing well defensively in terms of statistically wise, they're looking very strong, but bit by bit, people are starting to find these little holes in them and eventually, Someone's gonna get them, and when they're got, then there's gonna be some trouble. I mean, you're just nodding the head there, Steve. I mean, you you is it down to Tuchel that they that he's not playing brilliantly? Like Chelsea aren't playing brilliantly. So so Chelsea thought if they sign themselves a marquee centre forward, he'll put away all the chances they created last season. Mm. Signing 
Romelu Lukaku, they've changed the way they play. Lukaku wants to play on the shoulder of a defender and terrorise him because he's big, he's strong, he's powerful, and why not? That's his strength. It's always been his strength. They've become a little bit one-dimensional with Lukaku in the side for me, and I got I got ridiculed big time for saying this just after they signed him on a pod. That could happen, and it has happened. Um, Fernandes still making intelligent runs because that's what he does, and he does make intelligent runs. Um, their, their number tens are not firing. Um, I think Tuchel's biggest challenge this season is to is to bring down the egos of, of Havertz and the Mount and say, "Hang on a minute, you might have won the Champions League, you might have been to a European twenty twenty final in, in Mason Mount's case, but you still have to make sure you do the, the ugly things in football, and you have to turn up every week, and you have to be grounded, and you have to be." honest and don't get ahead of yourself and be, be, don't be prima donnas and that's a big challenge and I've seen that with Liverpool in years gone by when we dominated we brought in young lads and they got ideas above their station so that's a big challenge for Tuchel, Kojo's right um, big up for Brentford because what Brentford are doing at the moment is mm. when Liverpool and Chelsea go to Brentford this season and Liverpool drew 3-0, the Liverpool game is Brentford's biggest game ever in their history, it's the top flight it's Liverpool, it's at home the fans turn up with, and they're at it. The players turn up and they're at it. And you know what? They're going to become my guilty guilty pleasure this season because they don't care who they're playing against. They've got no yep. respect for reputation. They've got no respect for the names of the team sheet the teams are playing against. And they do their thing. And they will ask teams questions after questions after questions at their ground. They will be fine. They'll get enough points from home games alone to stay in the division. I think they've been a real breath of fresh air. Um, and I'll close now by saying four or five weeks ago, Tuchel said, we want to become the team that nobody else wants to play. That's his own words. Does that mean he wants to make them so defensively robust you don't feel you can break them down? In doing that, there's a danger you overlook the other side of the game where you actually have to go and win it. And at the moment, yeah. I think Brentford had 10 chances against Chelsea. Chelsea yeah. two or three. And three, yeah. Oh, yeah, the offside goal. Um that, that Premier marquee centre-forward isn't scoring you the goals. And he's played in the Premier League before. And some for six weeks, he was brilliant. And then he'd go off the boil for a month. And, and you can't have that for £100 million. You can't have that. You've got to have a guy that turns up every week. So Chelsea's an interesting one. And I agree with Kojo. People are figuring them out a little bit. And, and, and you know, at the end of the day, good of the likes of Thiago Silva is 37 next birthday. You know, 37-year-olds <laughs> can't do it every week. And these young lads who came in at the weekend, they got worked over a little bit physically and they came out of it because the keeper had a worldie. But he won't always be there to do that. And it'll be a deflection or something where there's no chance. But Chelsea are an interesting one. We, I will say we're saying all this. And by the way, they're sat top of the league. So, so we have to take that into <laughs> context as well. But but there are there are some questions and some chinks in their armour that the teams will be looking at now. Yeah, and I just want to piggyback off the point that you made about them being one-dimensional. I never thought about that. But it was making me think about last year when he came in. You know, Kai Havertz at the beginning of his Chelsea career was getting um, criticised because he wasn't really finding his feet. And then he found a system that made Havertz be more productive, Mount be more productive, Kovacic wasn't draining his football. Then, you know, you had your wide men start to play a bit more. I mean, Ziyech not so much, which is something that's not being spoken about enough, but that's another day. Um, you know, he found a system, but then when you do buy that striker, that's now your, your centerpiece, as um, Steve said. And, you know, if you don't find a way to find, make sure he's productive, but make sure everyone else is still 
being as productive, or even if it's on a lower scale, it can't drop too far low. It needs to be at the tiniest of scales. If you're not doing that, then that that does um, bring a big problem. Um, so if they are going to win the league this year, they need to get that fast because Liverpool are now in their groove. City, City don't even look like they're in their groove, but they're winning games. Yeah. So if you want to be with, with them, they're going to keep going on that role. You need to find your group and stick with it before it becomes an issue. I, I'll, I'll say this. Um, they are getting found out. And I think the bit, the match that, that highlighted that was the City game. I'm like, okay, you've, you've used that tactics against City at what was it three times last season? Um, yeah. It worked. There's other, you know, City had their preseason. They, they, they would have studied your style of play. And same as other teams, they would have studied your style of play from last season. So, they, you know, at that point, they, they would have found ways to counteract that if you're going to use that same system. They tried again against City, and I was watching that game thinking, you're surely not going to play the same way that you played against City last season. And City dominated again. City didn't even need to get out of second, third gear to, to win that game because they're like, well, we found you out. We're not going to allow you. We're not going to make the same mistakes we made last season. And then secondly, my last point is more on Lukaku. I'm not surprised. This is, I mean, the, the thing that annoys me the most about Lukaku is that he doesn't understand his weaknesses. And it annoys me because he will talk in the media and say, these people need to show me respect. I don't look to any other striker. There's no striker better than me. I'm the best. And I was like, absolutely not. Absolutely, because you're not clinical. You don't perform in big games. You don't perform consistently across the season. And so these are the markers why people do not rate you as high as highly as you rate yourself. Yes, you're a good striker. Yes, you do have attributes which are beneficial for a team, but you don't consistently perform in matches. And like I said, he's gone six games without scoring a goal, and it doesn't surprise me. It's typical Lukaku. At some point, he'll find his feet, start scoring again. But it's about scoring consistently across the season and scoring when it matters. And that's always been the issue I've had with Lukaku. And he doesn't seem to understand that. Because any questions, why doesn't everyone put me up there with like the Canes, with like the Lewandowski's and Co's? And I was like, well, <laughs> you know, there's a reason why. What you have to do is compare their performances, the matches in which they perform against when your performances and when you perform or decide not to perform. Uh, the final game that we will talk about will be Newcastle 2, Tottenham 3. Goals from Callum Wilson, Tangi and Dombele, Harry Kane, Heung-Min Son, and an Eric Dyer own goal. Obviously, uh, our thoughts are with the uh, the supporter that was he had a heart attack, I believe. Yeah, he had a heart attack arrest. I believe he's stable right now. Yeah. I don't think yeah, he's stable. Yeah, stable. Yeah, stable. So, yeah, our thoughts are with him. Um, but on on the game, I mean, for, on on that as well, we got we got to commend uh, Regulon for spotting what was going on. Eric Dyer for running across getting the getting the doctor to go help him out and it's it's one of those things where it's put, it was, one he was lucky that he was pitch side and two the fact that there are defibrillators now in uh in the premier league uh it's it also helped him out uh, wonderfully but on the game Callum wilson obviously uh started uh got them off scoring and it looked like it was going to be a great game for newcastle that everybody thought that tottenham would pull out spurs uh and, and just completely capitulate but they didn't i mean Let's start let's talk about that first goal. It was just easy. It's far too easy for, for Newcastle Kojo. Uh, yeah. Uh, that was it. What, their first it. attack within what the first minute. It, yeah. it was it was horrible. It was horrible for Spurs. But that's what they've been doing for a while. Lack of awareness at the back. Um and I think what they I think what opponents have now recognized is so to be fair to the two of them, 
uh, Romero and Emerson Royale are looking like they're starting to settle in well now. They're looking like they're starting to get a bit more comfortable and you're seeing better performances from them. So obviously um, Romero was defender of the year at Serie A last year. So now he's starting to see, you're starting to see that he's starting to get to his level. Big by a bit, he's getting there. Emerson had a nightmare debut and then now he's starting to get into his groove. But what mm. teams are doing is, well, if we can't attack you on this side, we're definitely going on the other side. And as soon as the ball switched over to that side, you saw Mankio just making the galloping run past, um, uh, say, Maximan. And it was, the cross was, it was a good cross, don't get me wrong. But if you are the defender in front, which was, I, I think it was Eric Dyer, if you are the defender ahead of Callum Wilson, there's no way you should be allowing him, no matter how good his movement is to go and attack that ball, you should be first in line to defend that before he even gets a sniff of getting to that ball. And that's going to be, I think that's going to become a, become a theme with Spurs as well. And I don't know how you solve that because if it's not Eric Dyer, it's Damison Sanchez. And you know how I feel about both of them. <laughs> Quite frankly, I just, there is no level of improvement in either of them because Damison Sanchez is still the same player that signed when he was 18 years old from Ajax. He hasn't improved. And Eric Dyer is, well, he, he's Eric, Eric Dyer. Dyer. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an issue. But, it was a good goal, and it was the kind of goal that I think the fans were needing straight away because it's a new era, you know, and it's a bit of excitement, it's a bit of energy, mm. so, you know, they needed that. But just like Watford, as soon as Spurs got their goal, their breath was taken out of them. It rattled them completely. I don't think they expected that. These Newcastle players need to fight for their Newcastle careers, so to speak, because they know there's going to be major financial improvements in terms of spending on players. And a lot of players are at risk of losing their positions, including um, a certain Jojo Shelby, but we'll get there. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, no, no, it was a fantastic start. It was a fantastic start. Mm. It was a good goal. But, um, I mean, Tangi on Dombele, he, he, gets, he gets the goal. And that was a great goal, but I think that was poor defending from Newcastle. But we, that's what we know Newcastle for. But the goal that impressed me the most and inspires this next question is Harry Kane back. Harry Kane. Obviously, uh, beats the offside trap with a wonderful time, wonderfully timed run, and then the finish was exquisite. Steve, is he back, or is it the simple fact that he likes to go against Newcastle? And he made a typical number nine's run between two central defenders that, that you know they were in different postcodes, weren't they? Um, <laughs> the, the ball comes in, and Harry Kane will finish those all day long, good, bad, or indifferent form. I think the, you know you go back to the, the point on the first goal, almost the euphoria of. of Castle's current situation and the way the club are going to go forward made it obvious that Newcastle would start the game strongly because the players reacted to the response from the fans. Then what happened is they've suddenly, for me, they suddenly remembered, hang on a minute, we ain't got a clue what's going on here. Is the manager going to be there at the end of the game? When you know we've got two two years of, of unlimited spending before we have to fall in line with F, FFP, so they could spend mm. three billion quid if they wanted to. So they're going to be throwing some. Yeah, he's playing for a move to, do, to Newcastle, absolutely. <laughs> um, great shout, Ron. Um, so, so, so essentially, nobody has a, a clue what's going on up there. So, so very quickly, the goal deflated them and they remembered that they're Newcastle and they struggle. Um, obviously, Dyer's own goal made it sort of look a bit more respectable. But that goal, the finish from Kane was, was brilliant. It really was, and it's typical of, of, of Kane's finishing prowess. Does it open the floodgates for the rest of the season? I'm not so sure. Mm. Um, he could have brought that down, popped open the Canelaga, sat in the chair, drunk it, then finished it. There was that much time to, to deal yeah. with that. Um, 
but take nothing away from it. It is a great finish. He's aware of knowing where the goalkeeper was, his area when he makes contact with the ball. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a mark of a, of a world-class finisher. It really is. Mm. Um, and, and the ball was, the ball was tremendous as well to pick him up, by the way. So, um, yeah, it's a really good goal by Kane and, and, and it absolutely knocked the stuffing out of Newcastle, didn't it? Did indeed. Let's talk about Newcastle. Basil, um, yeah. as everybody's mentioned, there's a lot of players that won't be there in the next in the next few seasons, and where they end up, I don't know. They might might have destinations in the Championship, to be honest with you. But I mean, currently they don't. Nothing seems to be improving. There's talks of getting rid of Steve Bruce, but I don't imagine anybody can save them from their current predicament with the squad that they have. Are the, the big question is, do you think they're going to stay up this season? I won't say that. No, they're going down definitely. They're absolutely going down. The wow. players there are so poor. They're not Premier League quality whatsoever. I mean, like I said, if Richie is playing left back, Richie's not a good player. Hasn't wasn't a good player when he was at Bournemouth. And so like he's their left back because they don't have a left back. Callum Wilson can't stay fit. So you're wondering how many games do you have until he breaks down? Mm. Then they have to allow him Joe Linton. <laughs> Joe Linton, you know, you you you're guaranteed zero goals from him each season. <laughs> <laughs> if he gives you at least two, you're popping out the champagne. He is so poor, it's unbelievable. And in that midfield, there's nothing in midfield whatsoever. I mean, Lascelles, honestly, Lascelles, he annoys me because he plays with an arrogance on that pitch, I've noticed. He has this arrogance that he's this top-quality defender, and he's not. That team is going down. And the problem they have is that if, if they sack Bruce, who's going to manage that crop of players? Because you need a relegation specialist to manage those group of players. And so, and that's the truth. You you can bring in a top quality manager. I don't think they can work with that crop of players there. Every time I watch them, they're always hoping, saying, Maximan, you know, works some magic for them. And if he doesn't, you you get nothing out of anybody else. I generally think they should go out and hedge their their bets on Allardyce. As silly as it is, I think they need a relegation a relegation specialist to come work with these players, get them organised defensively, find a system where they can sneak victories, and obviously just stay stay up. Because if not, I see them going down. I see them going down with Norwich, honestly. Wowzer, 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 wowzer. Um, I mean, Rafa Benitez is probably kicking himself considering all the money that he's he's probably would have had to spend on this squad. And to be honest, I think he'd be, if if he stayed, they would have been in a much better position than they are currently. But Man, we need to wrap it up there. There are games going on. Arsenal are currently 1-0 up against uh, Crystal Palace. Aubameyang with the goal. But the table looks as follows. We're coming for United, that's what I'm saying. What's that? We're coming for United. That's the last thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, would say, I would say Liverpool, but that's, that's, that's delusion. So we'll that's say that's a bit too far, a bit too far. Um, Chelsea are top of the league. Liverpool second. City third. Brighton, Hove Albion are still... In the top four race, it fourth, Tottenham fifth, United, Manchester sixth, West Ham seventh, Arsenal at ninth, Leicester at twelfth, and the bottom three, Burnley, Newcastle, and Norwich. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for watching on whichever or whatever platform you choose to, to listen on. Make sure you subscribe and like this video. It helps us a lot. Uh, but Basil, where can they find you? You can find me at BJakers14. As you can see, I packed up a bit more now. Arsenal are now winning. We're <laughs> <laughs> getting points on the board. And my enemies, they seem to be falling down the table, i.e. Manchester United. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tottenham are just scraping victories, but already they'll be down there soon. So 
it's, it's a good time. It's a good time to follow me and it's a good time to see my tweets. Can I just say, if you don't come away with this game with all three points, Basil will just block me on WhatsApp. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> Steve, where can they find you? Uh, my socials are on there. Um, I've just restarted my channel under a branding called Copped Pods. Um, it's very, very early days um, with that. You can also catch me at 10 o'clock tonight on First XI. And then I do uh, two shows or one show or two shows some weeks uh, over on Usman's channel doing the Big Six Rivals and the UCL preview. So, um, yeah, I've been busy at the moment, but really, mm. really grateful for the opportunity to come on Talk Football with you guys. Um, nice to meet two of you. I've been on with Kojo before. Yeah. Um, thanks again for inviting me. I enjoyed that. My pleasure to meet you this Absolutely. Kojo, where can they find us? Uh, yeah, obviously over here on YouTube, Freedom and Field Podcast, and everywhere else on all the audio um, socials, uh, Twitter, Freedom and Field. Um, for the last time, I'm going to say this because I was asked in person, is it the word three? No, it's the number three <laughs> in midfield as a collective. No space. There you go. Three in midfield. Um, come follow us. <laughs> I mean, we've had it. We've had it on for like God knows how many podcasts, but it is what it is, man. It is what Thank it is. you for watching and good night.